Welcome to Photodump. This is a podcast by and for working photographers with Ren and Jen. Well, what's a nice way of talking about copying? Copycats. We're going to talk about visual plagiarism today. Inspiration taken too far. Yeah, I mean, we can start with inspiration first recreation. Are you going to talk about this story? Or? I mean, yeah, I guess this podcast was inspired by a recent experience that I had where to me, it seemed like my photo was recreated and not used as inspiration on, say, a mood board or something. It felt like it felt like so much about the photo was lifted. Obviously, there's only so many ways you can shoot a still like there's only so many angles you could shoot certain things props crossover all the time. There was a lot of things in that specific photo that we're talking about that was too closely related to the inspired photo, which was your photo, I think. Yeah. I mean, I also know your work really well. So the moment I saw it, I knew instantly what photo it was. And I actually thought that they literally used it as an overlay because it seemed so close in terms of angle and foliage and placement of things. It just seemed really spot on versus they were inspired by then they took it in a different way. It it, it didn't seem like that based on the photo that I saw. Right. I don't know. It was kind of a hard one to wrap my mind around because I've definitely been in situations where I've seen photos before that I felt like were close to my image that I created, but I just kind of passed it off as, oh, they were inspired by it. Like clearly they took these elements, but this was the first time where it felt so blatant, I guess, that I I was honestly shocked. (laughs) I mean, I think there's something to be said too, just about obviously you know, like a marble table. It's like just because you put something on a marble table doesn't mean it's copying. Right. Just because you shoot something overhead doesn't mean you're copying. Yeah. And I think it's just the lighting and it's all of the things combined that can make it feel that way. Right. And so I guess that's where inspiration versus recreation comes in. And we did talk about this on our testing podcast. We are super inspired by our fellow creatives. I look at photographers work all the time. I cruise Pinterest all the time. I, you know, art books, inspiration is endless. And I don't think there's anything wrong with elements that inspire your own unique voice. I think there's totally nothing wrong with. And we called it out in the testing episode too about the article about mood boards. You can use existing imagery to articulate a sort of mood that you want to go for. But at the end of the day, you want to reinterpret that into your own unique style, voice, whatever. So nothing wrong with inspiration. Right. I mean, I think inspiration is also everywhere. I mean, you could be inspired by so many things. And like you're saying, one element of an image. I don't try to pull so many images for test shoots because... I think it's easy to be inspired by something and then end up accidentally taking something really similar. But it's like, oh, I really like the mood and vibe that this photo gives off, but I don't want to shoot this drink per se. It's a smoothie, but in this vibe, you know, sort of thing. Yeah, and I mean, 
Everyone does it. Art imitates art. I guess with recreation, I just kind of think back on school when we're taught that plagiarism is wrong. You will get in trouble. I mean, it's also embarrassing if you're going to do it. No one ever wants to get caught doing that. Don't do it, but... Don't do it, but right, like in school we're taught if you are... I, I don't even remember what the rules are, but if you paraphrase something, I think you're supposed to. you're supposed to give... What are those things called? Quotes or something. List the reference. A footnote. Yeah. You're right. The reference of a footnote. <laughs> we were English majors, right? No, <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> so again, it's like, obviously, everyone does research. Everyone gets inspired. Everyone pulls from existing things that happen. Sometimes, sometimes you're just inspired by your surroundings. But there's nothing wrong with pulling from things that exist. But it's just either calling it out. This was inspired by so and so. And I loved it so much. Here's my interpretation of it. That's cool. Cover songs are created all the time. Yeah. It's when you just copy something directly, it just feels so lazy. I think that's what it is. Inspiration leads to creativity because you're reinterpreting it and putting your own voice on it. And recreation is just lazy. It's just lazy. (laughs) That's all it is. Yeah. The unfortunate truth is that it happens all the time in our industry. Yeah, it happens all the time. And I remember we talked about you had like a really direct experience with it. Yeah, I feel like with my situation, and we talked about this on testing, uh, on a testing episode, because it was a test shoot that I had done. And I think the icing on the cake for that one is not just that he saw my image, but we had a whole conversation about where we would take the test shoot that I did and how we would expand on that. And he took that idea and then took it with another photographer. So I felt like it was one of those situations where not only did he already see that I did it and he liked it, we had already also talked about ideas on it. And then he took those ideas and gave it to his in-house person to shoot. Mm. And, you know, I think we talked about this too. I was like, I don't really know the lesson learned in that because technically as photographers, we can copyright all of our images with the copyright office. I think from what I've heard from other photographers, it's really hard still, even when you have your images copyrighted, unless it's like a very blatant copy. And I'm sure it's just like not worth the legal hassle in some cases. So it just, it happens all the time. And I think that specific photo series that we're talking about is just unfortunate events and I wish I could say there was like a lesson learned in the future for people moving forward, but... I'm trying to remember, did you call him out? I actually had Lauren contact him, but he never replied. Oh, wow. I don't think I personally ever reached out to him. I never saw it initially. Actually, somebody else saw it and then showed it to me. Right. That's how it always is. And then I was like, oh my gosh. And then when I looked at his website, he had just taken it. I think the all th- the whole thing that spawned this was because we had already had a conversation and he wanted to use some of the images on his website as a test just to see a new build out. And I understood it as a back end test, but it ended up going going live and I was like hey like we didn't really discuss this as like a live thing I I understood it as you wanted to put it in your new layout to kind of see how it would look like as a placeholder as a placeholder and if it would work so that also happened as well there was a whole thing and then also you know it was pandemic and then he gave me a little pandemic story of it's pandemic so he wasn't making any money and so I never actually personally reached out to him about the rest of the series that he 
created with somebody else, but Lauren did and we never got anything from it. And we did talk to a lawyer about seeking legal, if we could do anything about it, but there wasn't anything crazy. I mean, there was a photo series and I'm not going to say that it was like groundbreaking, like photography per se. I think it's because he did acknowledge that he really liked what I had done. I think it was the fact that he took it, what we already discussed and the ideas that we discussed to a different photographer. And we did actually have a signed contract, but he signed something, but he didn't pay me the first, you know, deposit or whatever to like start the job because literally pandemic hit the week of like all the signing process was going on so god that's so frustrating I'm surprised that the that contract when you talk to the lawyer I'm surprised that that contract wasn't anything that I mean I understand it's it's just more trouble than it's worth it was like maybe I could but like at the end of the day it also was his brand you know that I was photographing so it's like this weird thing where like you know it's just tricky well it's funny that you I mean it's not funny it's sad that you say that he brought it in-house because actually when I posted the story about uh, what happened with my photo I had quite a bit photographers reach out to me that work in-house at places and they said that their creative team gives them specific images to recreate often if you're in-house you're you're usually you're you're not like at the very top of a totem pole like of a of an in-house corporate structure so every single one of them said that they felt uncomfortable about it like they thought it was kind of weird but they just don't feel comfortable saying anything But it's not okay. Yeah, it's not okay. (laughs) And I actually, I heard another story of a photographer who was hired by uh, like a startup. So they didn't have a lot of money. I feel like we take jobs like this all the time. If we're excited about the product and we're excited about being involved and coming up with a creative, like sometimes we'll take those jobs because it gives us a creative freedom. And so in this case, it was a brand new company. The photographer was really involved in creating the brand voice through his imagery he has a super specific style it's like anytime I see any photo I'm like oh that's him I don't even have to look at the credit so he did the photography for this company and they hired him a first time and then they hired him a second time and on the second shoot he noticed there was a guy there that wasn't there on the first shoot who was kind of just like walking around, looking at all the lighting, asking questions. And he was like, who, who are you? And they were like, oh, he's just our marketing person. You know, it's not a big deal. But he flagged it. Like he felt like it was off. It's like an in-house photographer that took his job. <laughs> it, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And he never got hired again after that. But they kept putting out work that looked exactly like to a T like his. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, what can you do in that situation? You can't do anything because obviously you're free to shoot and you're free to shoot in whatever style you want to shoot. Yeah. So it's just morally awful and I don't think there was anything he could do. Yeah. I guess it's like also he ideally hopefully would have gotten paid more to help a brand kick off their look. You know, I can understand for the longevity purposes, like maybe they couldn't afford him or whatever. So it's like you pay a creative director to help you establish a look and feel and a brand to like help them run with it, even though that wasn't obviously they weren't very 
clear and upfront about that in the situation. Sure. Like, should he have gotten on top of a photography fee, a creative director fee to buy out the creative direction? I mean, I don't know if that's something that happens, but that could be a moral approach to transparency is fine. If you can't afford someone, you can't afford someone. And if you want to take something in house, I would at least think that I feel like they should have definitely had a conversation about it first before. Not that it would make me feel any better. Right. But at least someone's owning up to it. Well, at least, too, they, I would assume, they would be giving you an opportunity to either come down lower right, to meet them or just be like, okay, well, this is not the right fit for me anymore and then move on. Yeah, that sucks. I mean, I've had that happen on a on a few shoots where we're doing the campaign and then there's an in-house social team that's coming. I mean, they're shooting it in their own, you know, usually on their phones or whatever. But sometimes I do feel a little weird when, when people are kind of like asking really specific questions about my lighting and I'm just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just taking Um, photos. Figure it out (laughs) on your own. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's why we get paid to do what we do. I mean, it's like years of experience and I'm not going to just tell you how I do it so you can do it for cheaper and then ruin the whole industry (laughs) for everyone else. Yeah. What other, um, I felt like you had some good stories of other people. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had this happen to a friend of mine. Basically, she was on a photo campaign. Actually, I think the whole team, aside from the creative directors, unknowingly recreated an existing photograph. Pretty well, I I see it all the time. It's like a pretty popular image. And after the campaign launched, it got back to the photographer and the agent and everything. And they sent a cease and desist. And I heard that there were actual grounds for a lawsuit. And so they they pulled it down. She was really bummed because the photo was awesome. So they unwill- unknowingly recreated it or they or like the art director told them like where to put things and then exactly. And I don't know the total details of it, but I've been in situations before where I've received a deck and we talked about this in the bidding and treatments episode. Decks can be different. Like sometimes creative directors or art directors will create a mood board to kind of give a look and feel for the shots they want. Other times they might sketch them out. And if you're if you're given a mood board, it's kind of up to you. I don't see that as like, oh, I need to recreate this mood board. I'm like, okay, this is the tone that they're going for. And I'm going to use my own uh, like interpretation of it to create with my own style. Right. This is a look and feel and the lighting and maybe some of the prop colors. Exactly. But sometimes shots are sketched out. They're like, this is how we're going to shoot this. Here's the sketch that we're recreating. Like you said, you get that all the time. Yeah, I get I've been getting that more recently, which is in a way nice because they're not pulling from anything. But yeah, I have no idea if they're getting it from something else and then redrawing it. (laughs) Exactly. And so I've actually I received a deck once where I recognized the sketch. Oh, and ironically, it was that same image that I that I mentioned earlier. And so I felt uncomfortable. I mean, I happened to recognize it. And I knew exactly the photo that they were referencing. That was just luck. I could have just not known. I could have been like that team that unknowingly recreated it and then gotten in trouble later. And even if you don't know about it, it's still super embarrassing to be caught in that. Because people don't know 
that you didn't know or whatever. And it just looked like you were copying somebody else. Right. So, I mean, we ended up not getting the job, but I did mention to my agent, if we get this job, I don't feel comfortable recreating it. And she was like, oh, well, let's just cross that bridge if we we need to, like if we get the job. So... I'm definitely going to be on the lookout for it more now that it's happened to me on the on the flip side. <laughs> yeah. But, at, you know, at the same time, we're just we're so bombarded with imagery these days that there's been times where I'm like, oh, I, re- I love this shot. And then a little voice in my head is like, is this just a subconsciously in your mind from something that you've seen before? But I feel like even in that case to recreate something to a T, you have to actually make an effort to do it. Like you have to reference it. Yeah. Whereas if you maybe have something that you were inspired by subconsciously in your head and you ended up accidentally shooting something similar, it's not going to be the same because it's from, it's like some sort of, you know, subconscious memory of something. And then you, you just make it your own. Right. I don't know. It's very hard these days. Like you said, with especially with still life how many different ways can you shoot one glass you know exactly there's only so many directions that light can come from (laughs) (laughs) sam made a good point he was like well how do you know when the line is crossed i think that's hard because i think that's the issue i think some people they think it's inspired by the but they don't feel like it was a direct copy of right i think if you put your photo next to them and it looks very close or if there's elements if there's a lot of elements if you're looking at this and you're like oh the light is coming from the same direction it is hard like this reference or it is soft like this reference and there's like the same props if there's too many elements that are very similar to something that you were inspired by then that's something you should take a look at and rethink about (laughs) if you put your photo side by side and you feel embarrassed by it you've probably crossed a line oh yeah I feel like this happens in in other genres, like in film, you know, directors or cinematographers, there's like an homage to a a famous director scene. The Hitchcock move is always used. Everyone knows what it is. It's kind of like applauded of just like, oh, this guy was greatly inspired by Hitchcock films. And so it's still your own characters, your own story, your own music, your own specific type of genre. So you're not recreating a Hitchcock film you're just you're taking an element and making it your own and I feel like that's applauded you're, or if you know if it's like some obscure director and a film buff recognizes that I feel like they get excited about it they're like oh that's awesome he's referencing this or she's referencing this and same thing with with hip-hop and and beat samples that happens all the time but no one hides the fact I think it's almost celebrated it's just like oh yeah I was super inspired by this 70s jazz musician and I lifted this sample and you know brought it into 2022 yeah I feel like that's applauded but I also think because it's not kept a secret mm-hmm. yeah so if I copy you Ren and I'm like this was inspired by Ren then it's okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean maybe if you if you call it out I mean I think too like I think maybe we talked about this on testing too when it was just like about lighting that sometimes when I first was starting with strobes I guess I didn't really take somebody's image but there would be like an element of an image and then I would try to recreate it with natural light versus strobes or something like that but then it wasn't something that I ever published out in the world there's nothing wrong with deconstructing something and trying to figure out how to get it and sometimes it's just helpful to do that by referencing something specific but then yeah like you said don't publish it in the world and be like I created this yeah no you copied it Uh, a few months ago 
this amazing author that I know, Rick Martinez, started his own podcast called Borderline Salty. And they did a photo shoot for their podcast and love the photographer that they hired. And they actually recreated a Sunny and Cher image, but they shouted it out. They're like, this is a tribute. Like, we love this photo. Here's our recreation of it. They didn't just post it in the world and being like, here's this awesome concept that we came up with. Right. So I feel like stuff like that, like that's flattering. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when I saw that photo that I felt was recreated, part of me was like, well, should I be flattered or should I be offended? Right not flattered because they didn't they didn't credit you anywhere it wasn't like inspired by or yeah so I mean maybe that's the line if you're proud of where you got the idea from great then you are acknowledging that you were inspired by this image and you're recreating it for like these purposes whatever but if you are called out and then you remove the image because you think maybe it's too close to home then you've probably crossed a line yeah definitely if you feel uncomfortable enough to cross to remove it from the internet you definitely feel like you cross some line that you don't want to be recognized for so yeah because if you disagree then you'd probably push back I guess how do you not copy somebody everyone's creativity is different I mean I know there's that there's fads lighting fads or styling fads that people replicate all the time but I feel like the people that are coming up with those they're the true artists you know and I'm not saying like you and I are true artists that are at the forefront of everything. But I I greatly admire people that are just coming up with their own concepts that no one is doing because then everyone's just going to follow it. But by the time everyone catches up, they're on to the next. They're on to making something else that's cool. I guess I just feel like copying is is like a losing battle, really. Like, what is it going to get you? Yeah. What would you do if you were in a situation where you were asked to recreate Like, say you're shooting a massive billboard campaign. Your rate is insane. You've been trying to get this client for four years. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I mean, I think it depends on what they're providing me. I guess if it was a sketch and I knew the sketch reminded me of something. I mean, I think either way, I probably would say something or like, how can we put our spin on it to make it look different? If it's like a blatant copy, I wouldn't do it. I mean, I definitely have gotten client decks where they're referencing a lot of things. Actually, there was one such scenario, actually, where it was like literal copy. And I'm like, this is a literal copy, guys. Like, we can't do this. I know what they wanted to take from it. I just feel like it was such a unique. It was like a food styling thing that made that image really unique. And so basically, they were asking the food stylist to do the same thing. So it was one of those things where I was like, I get why you like this, but like we have to do it in a different way. We did shoot it differently, but I don't think they ended up ever even using what we shot. Maybe because they felt uncomfortable or maybe they just changed their minds. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, if there's a scenario where it's exactly, I think I would say something. I think most people would respect you. Yeah. For saying something too. Yeah. Sometimes people are so close to the things they work on that they don't see it. They're, you know, going a million miles an hour and trying to do all these things and they're not thinking about that. And it's just like needing another perspective to come and look at it and being like, you guys, this is <laughs> not um, this is not okay. Unless we're gonna, you know, like you're saying, shouting it out. But I mean, on a big brand campaign, you're not gonna credit somebody at the bottom of a billboard. Right. But I mean, I think so many things are inspired by 
other things. Some model did recreated a bunch of famous campaigns. She was a person of color, and so she recreated a bunch of famous campaigns that featured white models. Mm -hmm. Literally recreated it, but obviously did the side by side comparison. Uh So it wasn't, you know. Yeah. I I I mean, I thought it was an awesome, awesome concept. That's cool. So I I think you could totally get away with recreating something tastefully. Yeah. So the moral of the story, guys, is don't copy people. Okay. So with my situation, the creative director ended up reaching out to me and we had a conversation about it. I didn't totally get what I wanted from that conversation, but I also really appreciated the fact that he made an effort to have a dialogue about it. So I thought that was cool. I think, I mean, I see I see stuff like this happen on social all the time. I see photographers call out other photographers, call out other creative directors for copying because it feels really bad to put in genuine work into something and then have someone just pull it like that. And especially if that someone is then going and making money off of it. Yeah, that's the part that really hurts. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like going forward, I guess I just feel like we should all be allies in the creative community. If you see someone doing something, you don't have to condemn them. You don't have to cancel them or anything. It's I think it's important to just be like, hey, as a fellow creative, I would encourage you to rethink this because it affects the entire community. And I feel like usually people are really receptive. Sometimes they might actually just not know. I think it's easy to kind of feel fired up about it and just go off. But I hope that more people have conversations about it. Yeah. It's a really bad practice and I I feel like it's happening more and more and I I blame I honestly I blame social media for it because there's just so much freaking content that has to be put out by companies just endlessly. How do you come up with a with a creative concept a day? Like yeah. that's, a, that's asking a lot. So I can see how people are just like, "Well, I'm just going to do something like this." Right. And move on to tomorrow. Right. <laughs> yeah, I just I guess I hope that more people talk about it. Call it out. It was hard. I don't think I actually called out the person on mine. I think I was really upset for a long time and I didn't want to do it when I was upset. And then by the time I was less upset, I had I was like I had moved on. And it was like every time I thought about it more, I would get more angry and then it would just spiral. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys did call him out. You emailed him and he just never responded. Yeah. I mean, I didn't call him out. You're saying call him out publicly. Publicly. Yeah. I think it's hard to call someone out publicly because most people don't want to stir the pot because they don't want to affect their hireability. They don't want to affect their connections. And so I get it. But I, I feel like by not calling it out, and I'm not saying you have to call it out aggressively, but by not acknowledging it, I feel like you're just being complacent and no one's going to learn from it. I'm not saying you specifically, Jennifer. I know. Someone wrote me being very complimentary of like, your work is really good. You're crushing it. And this person is just being lazy, whatever. But, you know, kind of just like keep your head down and and stay in your lane and just keep doing the good work. And I was like, well, why should I keep my head down? Like, this is not okay. Yeah. I mean, I think, too, at the end of the day, you know, those people are only going to get so far. Yeah. That image was clearly inspired and replicated, but yours looks a million times better. Oh, thanks. So. Well, to some. Who knows? Whatever. Blah. If they have good taste. 
they'll know which one was better. (laughs) (laughs) Sam listens to a lot of film and script podcasts, and two of them came up with this movement. I don't know how successful it is, but it's called No Writing Left Behind. And because so many writers, or I mean, you could really play this in any field, but they want a job. They do a lot. I mean, we do this with our treatments. You know, we put in a lot of free work to try to land a job. But with them, with writing, they felt like they were getting taken advantage of because they'd come up with a concept. And then, you know, whoever like the studio heads would be like, oh, this is great. Can you write like a one page treatment for it? And then they'd write a treatment. They're like, this is really going in a great direction. Like, can you write the first 10 pages? And then they write the first 10 pages and they're like, oh, we're we're scrapping the idea goodbye thanks for the four months of work you just put in for nothing and so their whole thing now is they will talk ideas as much as people want they'll go through anything verbally but they will not put pen to paper without a fee like they will not put in like substantial literal work on something for free anymore and I think that's a pretty interesting concept I mean I wish there was a small fee when you're triple bidding I wish there was something that covered the two weeks that it takes to try to land that job. I mean, I feel like that's just part of it. When I worked at the design job and we were doing bids, like we had proposals that we had to do and we would make these like really beautiful books. It was weeks of our time. I mean, it was, we probably put in like $10,000, $20,000 of like- Your own resources. Yeah, like resor- the team's time. But like if we won the job- It would pay off. It would like, it's like a million dollar- jobs so like I feel like it's a very like industry standard at least in the like the in that event planning world like that we would do right but I feel like with budgets going down it's like sometimes you win the job and you're like this job literally doesn't even make up for the work I mean I also feel like those are that's different because it's like it's only us creating the treatments where that right job is like it's a company that's making you know that's paying many people's salaries so it's like part of my roles and responsibilities is to make this deck but I mean it is a cost to the the agency you know it's rough and and there's nothing that protects your ideas that's the thing that feels the worst someone else reached out to me that was like I tried to land this client and I created this whole set design pitch like a super specific just like an idea that they didn't even have set design they did the whole like pitch for it they created a deck a treatment for it and they ended up not getting the job they took the work Mm. and did it with another set designer it's just so wrong because at least maybe they were out of budget or something just give them the opportunity to try to work within your budget and some producers are very transparent with their budget which is cool Because then you just figure out, you know, like we were bidding on a job and we had to trim enough that we're like, okay, well, based on what their budget seems to be, we can't afford the production company that we wanted to go with. So, but we know other great production companies that aren't quite as expensive and we're happy to work with them and we're happy to switch the approach. And there's nothing wrong with that, but we were given the opportunity to try to figure out how to make their budget work. Yeah. All right, well, was that depressing? 
I think stuff like this has to happen. It's bound to happen. It has to happen. The photography industry is constantly evolving. Right. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And please don't copy other people's work. If you have any comments, questions, or ideas on future episodes, email us at photodump.club at gmail.com. Photodump is created by Ren Fuller and Jennifer Chong. Thank you to Sam Fuller for our cover art and overall tech support. Our music was created by Daniel Smith. You can find me on Instagram at jchongstudio. And me at Ren underscore Fuller. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.